Hey, it's your host, Charlotte Tuberfield, and welcome to the Holistic Marketing Podcast, the show that inspires you to think holistically about yourself, your business, and your marketing to ignite the impact you desire to have in the world. We'll learn what it takes to be seen and heard in the digital space from leading experts and myself as the founder and CEO of Chipperfield Media. Get ready to own your marketing by exploring the intersection of purpose and proactive marketing to move your business forward. Welcome, everyone. I have the great pleasure of welcoming not one, but two guests to the Holistic Marketing Podcast. Today, I'm chatting with Tom Herring and Marianne Harmer. They are the power duo leading the benefit corporation movement. My company, Chipperfield Media, is a certified benefit company, thanks to Tom and Marianne. So we're going to dive into what that means a little bit more. But first, welcome, Tom and Marianne. Hello. Hey, thanks, Charlotte, for uh, for having us on um, your podcast. We're very excited about this. Yes, thank you so much for being here. And I'd love for you to start just telling everyone a little bit about yourselves, maybe individually, and then we can talk a little bit more about your, your collective mission. Go okay. ahead, Marianne. Yeah, go ahead. Oh, okay. Yeah. My turn. We take turns on these and who goes <laughs> first? <laughs> um, well, it's, it's such a privilege to be a part of this company right now because I have a long history of being involved in corporate America. And um, I had a number of leadership roles in marketing, branding, public health. Um, and, you know, you learn a lot when you work for a big company. And so I have, again, this eclectic background of public health and uh, business marketing. And so it, um, it seems nice to be able to come back to my true love, which is really community health. And community means um, thriving communities with good businesses, with equity for all. So again, I, you know, I can't even remember all the jobs I've had over the past 30 years, but they, again, they swang back and forth between nonprofit work, corporate work, public health, branding and business. Um, but they landed now in this chapter of my life where I'm kind of combining a lot of those, but really back to my passion, which is healthy communities for all. And I'll just go ahead and uh, add on to that, Marianne um, and Charlotte. And my background um, has really been in the uh, ad agency world and, and more traditional ad agencies. Uh, yes, I've done some work in the digital area, but my um, my background has really has been has been as a writer and a creative director. And it's just been in the last five or six years where I've had this reawakening. Um, in, inside and wanting to do more good in the world. And this has to do both with my personal and my professional side. And I think uh, the nice thing is that both those lives now um, kind of intersect and um, doing this work with Marianne and all the people that we've uh, been fortunate to certify this to date has been one of the most gratifying parts of my life. Um, you know, the world is in desperate need of um, a, a, con a moral conscience from the business world. And I think the businesses that we are privileged to work with are certainly showing that and leading the way, I think, for, you know, a, not only a, a better community, but a better planet and a better world for uh, not just for all of us here, but for those generations to come. So it really is, um, while it sounds a little bit, um, saccharine sometimes. I think it's really the truth. And I think it's uh, particularly being borne out by these companies that we've been uh, working with and seeing the good good work they are doing um, throughout their communities and their businesses. Yes, that's wonderful. I think you guys both have such impressive backgrounds. And that's what I love that you've come together to create this space for businesses, like you said, to create that sort of moral consciousness in business. And that's definitely one of the reasons that I had connected with you originally. And so I'd love to talk a little bit more about the benefit corporations for good and talk about it as a movement, but also maybe talk about what led you to create that. And I know Tom, you touched on that a little bit about wanting to do more good, but what is the good or the benefit in really becoming certified as a benefit corporation? Tom, you tell such a great story. I, I, 
uh, in terms of how we actually created benefit corporations for good. Because both of us were coming to the table at this point in our life with a feeling like there's got to be a better business model. But maybe you can uh, talk about how we connected it and actually formally created this company. Sure. Um, so Marianne and I have known each other throughout our careers, and our, and we've had good long careers in our first two acts, and we've uh, our, in our paths have crossed uh, many times. I uh, worked with her husband before he, he became her husband. Um, I've done work for her when she was a leader in the healthcare world. Um, and what was really uh, uh, the, the triggering point was Marianne had called me or had emailed me about getting together to have a beer to talk with me about something. And this was about four summers ago now. And um, we were at a local brew pub and, um, you know, she said that, you know, she said, Tom, you know, I really want to do something good with this third act of, of, of my career. And um, I want you to go along with me. And it didn't take all of but, you know, three seconds to say, OK, let's do it. And uh, from there, we uh, launched into doing initially work for nonprofits. And our idea was to be, uh, you know, a resource uh, that had you know, proven and senior leadership and marketing thinking, um, strategic help to uh, offer our services to some of the, uh, you know, some of the nonprofits in the world. And we are still doing some work in that space. But along the way, Marianne got exposed at a meetup to the Oregon Benefit Company. And she came and told me about it. And we had coffee, you know, very soon thereafter. And it just seemed like the perfect place for us to be where we could take our business skills, our acumen that we'd gathered over the years and bring it into a space that is doing, you know, both good for the community and good for the business. And, and you know, that triple bottom line really resonated with us. And really um, what happened then is, we wrote a book, and in the process of writing our book, Putting Soul into Business, How the um, Benefit Corporation is Transforming American Business for Good, we got asked by the Secretary of State's office to help create a standard, a third-party standard for the Oregon Benefit Company. And for those that are listening that don't know the history here, um, our governor, Kate Brown, was actually Secretary of State when she helped shepherd and steer and pass the, uh, the Oregon benefit legislation in January of 2014. So, uh, you know, she wanted to have a standard also for that. And we were fortunate enough to work with them. And now we were just one of four listed on the Oregon Secretary of State site and actually the only one that is state-based um, at this time. So that's kind of our story. And, and you know, since then, um, you know, good things have continued to come our way. And um, this morning, I mean, hot, hot, literally two hours ago, we just certified our 44th business. So um, and I think we have a 45th coming tomorrow, as a matter of fact. So some things are starting to happen and, um, we couldn't be be happier at this point in time uh, as we've evolved. Yes, congratulations! That's so exciting. I feel like forty five is such a, a powerful <laughs> feeling milestone, and just bringing more people over. And I think that's just kind of speaks to the future of business and and the values driven business that people are building. And I think that's again, people are really building businesses for impact, and so. I'd love for you maybe to break that down a little bit and think about what is the difference between the quote standard way of doing business and then how do you really kind of create a company that is trying to have positive impact, like you said, for that triple bottom line of people, planet, and profit. That's great. I'll start in on this, Tom. And I love that question because people often say like, well, what does it mean? I mean, I'm trying to help the community. I sponsor a baseball team. Um, but it's more than that. It means that you actually believe that people, planet, they're right up front. Yes, you want to make profit. But the difference is that you put your money where your mouth is. And literally, um, and again, we this is documented through the certification by answering this question. But literally, what it means is that 
I take as seriously my commitment to the environment, to the planet, and to our people, whether that's my employees or whether that's partners or vendors or the community. I take that as seriously as I do to, hey, I had a great bottom line. I made a profit. So it really is a shift in thinking. It's not just behaviors. Oh, I recycle and I give my employees benefits. So it's not, it's not just about certain behaviors, but it's that you literally think differently. You have a lens that looks at things like equity. You have a lens that looks at things like um, transparency and humility. And so that, with that mindset, then in turn, all your behaviors, whether it's operations or it's marketing or it's finance, any of thing, goes through that lens of saying people are important and the planet is important too. And by the way, we know that if you can care about those things and you commit to those things, you actually do good in business and the profit is delivered. So the difference is not just activities or behaviors, but it's how you think. And we often talk about all of those 44 companies that we've certified. They, they have this profile of being conscientious leaders. And, you know, other phrases like servant leadership, conscientious leadership, it means that, again, they think differently and it's basically in their DNA where they approach everything with um, a heart of inclusivity, a spirit of um, sustainability, and it, it, it all works then. And that's the triple bottom line, people, planet, and profit. And, you know, I'm just going to carry on a little bit past what Marianne just said. And, and not only is all that absolutely dead spot on, but what's really important, Charlotte, is that um, people understand that are listening to, to your podcast that the world is actually requesting and demanding this. This is not something that's just been created to have another business service or, you know, something that just might look good on a website. But consumers, empl prospective employees, gener millennials, Generation Z, they are demanding that companies now have this heart to them. It's not just for profit anymore. They've got to do more than that. And they want to know why you are in business and what are you doing about this? And um, how are you serving your stakeholders? How are you serving your community? How are you serving your employees? How are you serving the planet? And how are you serving social justice challenges that are um, present and, and need a, a business to come in and help support that? So it's really, um, it's kind of this nexus of, you know, this intersection of demand um, has to be met now. Uh, otherwise, there is just no business that will be sustainable. Um, it's just not going to happen. And it, it, this is not only a, um, you know, like a, a Northwest or a, or a West Coast or a national, but this is now an international um, standard. This is an international request, and people that are in business and that own businesses need to be mindful of this. And the good part is there are many that are, are. it's just that some of the, um, some of the states, some of the um, government uh, agencies have not had enough money to put behind this public awareness campaign, which you are in, in this podcast, helping create more knowledge. And that is one of the biggest problems right now is just people don't know enough about it. I think once a business understands the, the powerful impact they can have on all their stakeholders. This is really a no-brainer. It is a very, um, uh, it's a very easy philosophy to understand. And even more importantly, it is not that difficult to practice. And, and so that's what's being borne out right now. And, and we see that with our, with our businesses that we, um, we've been privileged, as I said, to work with. Yes, I think you both bring up such amazing points there. And Marianne, I love that you made that distinction between the thinking and the behaviors, because it's, it is, like you said, very easy to say, well, we have a recycling program or we donate X amount of money, but that doesn't mean that you're necessarily living and breathing those company values all the way through every action that you take. 
And I do agree with you, Tom, too. I mean, I love that the world is demanding this. And I mean, I'll categorize myself. I am a millennial and an older millennial, but I, I do find that my own spending habits are also aligned with that because I mm-hmm. want to make sure that I'm spending money with a company that is thinking bigger than just profit because that doesn't feel good spending my money that way. Like I want to make sure that the company has the right ethics. They're treating their workers right. They have fair trade. I mean, there's so many different avenues this can take, but for me, knowing that the companies are committed to doing more than just grabbing my money makes me want to spend with them, but not just once, but over time, I want to become a part of their community of customers. Yes. Right. It builds, it builds loyalty. And we know now that, um, everything's done by word of mouth. It's viral. It's social. And so the old world of like just telling everybody I have a better widget doesn't work. It's back to what you say, Charlotte. I want to be a part of something that's bigger than me even. And you do that um, virally. And so that's what's exciting about this is, in fact, even our 44 countries, a lot have been through word of mouth, um, people talking about it. Um, And I just wanted to bring in one more point. When we wrote the book, Putting Soul into Business, we asked 20, not 20, 12 companies that were either B Corps or benefit companies, corporations, why did you do this? And they were saying that literally it made business sense because Mm -hmm. one organization said, I do want to hire the best and brightest and all things equal. A millennial is going to work for someone that is cause driven. So when you read these interviews and why they did it, no one said like, well, it really didn't pan out and I didn't get anything out of it. They actually all said like, this has been very fruitful and, um, and fulfilling to me personally as the owner. Um, to be able to be a benefit corporation. Mm, Yes, I love that. I think, again, it's like that shared values, both in employees and customers, which I think is so important. And I think even as we look to the future a little bit as well, I mean, I would love to see everyone have this kind of structure or rather this be the standard structure for business. And so I'm curious, I mean, I think I probably know the answer to this question, but what do you see kind of the future of business and and how do we create this to be a little bit more of the the standard mode of operation within a business and and why is that important over the long term well you know the um here's a really interesting uh point uh in in that uh direction and and to address your question charlotte and that is um, a year ago, January, so it's a year and a half ago, you know, 18 months, 20 months ago, the, um, the founder and CEO of the largest financial uh, services firm in the world, some $6 trillion, um, his name's Larry Fink, was the founder and CEO of BlackRock, said to their customers and to their businesses that they were actually investing in that they need to do more than make a profit. They need to contribute to society as well if they want to receive the support and the backing of BlackRock. Now, this made front page business news in the New York Times, Wall Street Journal. Uh, it, it pretty much uh, resonated around the world. And so I think when you get what are considered the rock hard capitalist businesses of the world, getting a mandate from somebody uh, of that ilk, you you sit up and pay attention to it if you have not already to that point. So I think part of that is going to become, uh, if it isn't already, it's going to become part of a business's thinking that, you know what, I cannot survive if I don't have um, businesses or I have my supply chain people or vendors that are, want to work with me or help me get my product to market. If I'm not uh, living up to my oath to be a sustainable uh, business, a, a business that supports my community and supports social justice and environmental needs. I um, I don't think they will survive. I honestly don't. And I don't think it's um, wishful thinking. We, we see this more and more now. 
And as I said, the millennial generation now is the largest group uh, in, in the employment world right now. They're the, the largest workforce. They are going to make those demands. They are making those demands. And I think um, that is really what's uh, going to shape the future of not only American business, but I think worldwide business, because this is happening on, uh, uh, you know, on all the continents, on in all major um, uh, business um, societies, you know, as as going forward and being uh, a company that serves more than its bottom line. And I'll just add one more thing in terms of um, one demographic, in addition to the millennial one, that is driving this into the future is the growing diversity of our society and the growing diversity within companies, within leadership teams of people that aren't our traditional um, white Anglo-Saxon um, leadership teams, because these communities, whether it's Asian, Latino, Black, Ethiopian, Native American, their value system is based around the collective much more. It's not, I got ahead. It's more, we, mm -hmm. my community, the neighborhood did well. And it, because of that collective value system, that is very much aligned with what um, benefit corporations are. Because when we talk about the people part, it's again, the collective we, it's the common good. And our traditional business model has really been based on, you do your best and you'll get ahead. And it's very competitive and it's better, you know, it's very much individual driven where as we look at what's happening again to this demographic in the in our country it's that mindset that value system is not as um lauded as much as more of a collective group one and that again is one of the pillars of a benefit corporation is about we're doing this for the common good not so i can get ahead i can get the good job i can make all the money but it's that together, um, I work a lot with Latinos community and they have the expression, juntos podemos, together we can. And I think that is in the spirit again of benefit companies and benefit corporations. So back to your question about what is the future gonna look like? Well, the future workforce is not gonna look like the workforce of the 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s. And that workforce has a value around the collective. Yes. Well, this is a future I absolutely want to be living in. And I love that you tied this also to diversity. And I think it's so important to have that collective viewpoint and those different experiences coming in. And again, I think it is building communities and these value, the collective value system. And I also love that it's kind of happening on a grassroots level. So there's like little businesses like mine that are becoming certified and becoming part of this community. But then Tom, like you said, you've got these venture capitalist firms that are like, we're not going to invest unless you're thinking bigger than the bottom line. And so it's almost in a way there's sort of the bottom and the top are coming together and we'll hopefully squeeze out people in the middle that are still thinking very individualistic and very like solely on profit who are mistreating their supply chains or their vendors or their contractors and I think, you know, at this point, there's so many businesses and we have so many options to potentially work with someone else if we are feeling like we're being mistreated as an employee or vendor. And so I do think you're going to start to see these talents and the financial resources are going to get poured into these companies that have this bigger perspective of taking care of the people and the planet and the profit. And, and then that's going to leave the people in the middle kind of sitting there going, whoa, what did we miss? But mm -hmm you know, hopefully it is motivating to help everyone kind of take this shift. And I'm sure there's some businesses that probably freak out at this idea of taking this more conscious approach to business because they feel like if you take your eye off the ball, then, you know, the ball being profit that you are not going to be able to make as much money. And so I'd love for you to talk about that. I know there's a little bit of data out there around companies actually making more money from taking this approach. Yeah. So, um, you know, a couple things to just kind of accentuate or accent that point, Charlotte. And, 
you personally, your business has personally seen that, but there is this um, meshing of thinking where people want to work with other businesses. Businesses want to work with other businesses that share similar values. And those values are, you know, in our group, of course, are sustainability and social justice. They believe in social justice. They believe in healthy communities. And what is being proven over and over again is that when those businesses get together and they work together, they become pretty uh, formidable in the work that they're doing and the profit they are generating. And for the metrics-driven business person out there, um, there are numerous studies that have been out most recently on how the bottom line is being improved because of the triple bottom line approach. Um, you know, the Gallup organization, uh, there's another um, group that we follow that has studied strictly the millennial generation called Cone Communications does uh, annual and, and uh, every other year surveys showing buying uh, behavior of the millennial generation. And they will choose, they will pay more for a product or a service if they know that there is a social or environmental impact um, strategy within that company. It's pretty black and white right now. And um, I just, I don't see that uh, changing at all anytime soon. Um, as I said, that the people thought this might've been a blip initially, but brands continue to grow and get better. They gain momentum. Um, you know, the Nielsen company is another one that sees this amazing, um, you know, there's, there was an uh, analyst, uh, 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 an evaluation of monthly sales of B Corps. All right. So, so triple bottom line businesses. And this was found that over the past five years, um, there was a 49% uh, growth in sales compared to 15%, not in that particular category, right. not not being a B core. So that's three times the sales just right there. And there are numerous, as I said, there are numerous studies. It's not just Nielsen, it's not just Gallup, and it's not just uh, Cone Communications doing this uh, kind of work and research, but they're showing that the consumer purchasing behavior is just continuing to be all about doing business with companies that are cause-driven and they're authentic, um, they're um, equity, uh, and diverse, uh, equitable and diverse. They're looking for ways to, uh, you know, improve their own communities and to work uh, and not just satisfying the shareholder, but really the stakeholders of, the, of those communities. So I am, um, it's powerful. I mean, it really is powerful. And one of the things um, we share this in our, in our book, Putting Soul into Business, um, is the fact that this is a newer movement. I mean, I'd say the seeds are go way back, um, but the fact that now they're beginning to demonstrate real financial value, that bottom line, is being studied. So what we have now and what, again, people are reviewing is all this qualitative data points where you talk to these companies. We talked to a Charlotte Chipperfield. We talked to some of the other people and we asked them, so a lot is being done with qualitative research. Just tell me your story, what's happened since you become a benefit corporation. Because it's, I think the hard data is, it's coming out, it's beginning to come out, but it, it's, um, a lot of it is these stories that people are telling. And, um, you know, now we need to integrate the stories with, as you say, the hard financial data. Um, uh, Tom shared some of those uh, data points and that more are coming out all the time. In our newsletter that we send out every couple of weeks, we always try to put something, some of those data points of the newest articles. Um, and it's, it's coming. It's coming. In the meantime, we have tons of qualitative um, information out there. Yeah, and that's such powerful information too. And Tom, yeah. I know you were talking about three times the sales. I mean, that's like a no-brainer for, for right. companies. And you know, Charlotte, yeah, if I could just add one final note to it. And again, 
for anybody that's listening to your podcast right now, this is a these are really small businesses. It's not just for corporate America as people know it. It is very much being driven. It's it's really the bottom up that's coming. It's all bubbling from smaller businesses. And and as Marianne said earlier, the 11 thought leaders that we interviewed for our book, they basically all come from fairly small businesses. And you know, it it is it is a, a testimony to that backbone of America and, and the world, I think, for that matter. I think small businesses in every community is, is the heart and soul of, of the economic um, activity that's going on there. And now they're bringing this huge new dimension of really doing powerfully good things for their community outside of making a buck. Yes, absolutely. And that's what I've loved so much about being part of the community that you have built as well. And and like you said, we're able to kind of refer and work with each other because I know that the other certified benefit corporations have the similar values. And so we're able to both support each other in our businesses, which just makes, you know, your network even more powerful. And, and then even referring potential clients or customers to other businesses, I do think it just helps prop up the whole community, which is so, so amazing. Yeah. Yeah. And so I know we've talked a little bit about B Corp and Benefit Corporation. And so I'd love for us to kind of pause and make the clear distinction between those two, because I think that can also be a confusing thing, especially if you're a customer or if you're a company deciding which certification makes sense for you. Sure. Um, you want to tackle that? Well, <laughs> sure. I'm happy to jump in, but you go ahead. once I get out of 10. Okay. Well, yeah, go ahead. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Well, first of all, you have to understand that one is a business designation and one is a legal designation. So to be a benefit corporation, it's now available in, keep me honest, 40, 36, 36, 36 states 36. right now, but, okay. but four are pending. So it, sh- it should be 40 yeah. soon. Yeah. Right. I thought it was 40. Yeah. So these are states that have enacted legislation that says we will authorize a business. Um, There's only two states that authorize a small business, an LLC, and Oregon's one of them. But the others um, say we allow, we have legislation that says a company can choose this as a business designation. And so they become benefit corporations, okay? Now, the business designation is saying that as a part of being a business corporation, I adhere to certain standards. And so thus you get the emergence of the certifications like the B-Lab certification or our Benefit Corporations for Good certification. So that is saying regardless of whether you took the legal step to become a benefit corporation, I have gone ahead and become certified from a business sense as a company that believes in the triple bottom line. Now, what happens is that most people do both. Um, Although in in some states, because they can't become LLCs, can't become a benefit corporation, they have said, hey, I'm on the same path. I mean, I've left the station too, and I believe in this. And so they could still seek certification through B-Lab or through us without taking the step uh, to legally become a benefit corporation. And the key is the legislation says to become a benefit corporation, when you check that box um, as you incorporate, it means that um, you also are dedicated to the commons, to the common good, and that your shareholders, your stakeholders are protected. And so if you make a profit, you may not want to give it all back to your shareholder. You may want to do something for the community. And so this legislation protects you and says, as a benefit corporation, you have the autonomy, the authority to designate profits um, where you best um, deem is best for the community. So that's that's one thing that you have to understand is there's a legal um, designation, but then there's a business one. And now the difference between the two is that um, B-Lab, who's been around for 
12 years, Tom? 15 uh, years? Uh, let's see. It's um, since 2008, so 12 years. Yeah. 12 years. Okay. Yeah. Um, they really launched kind of this idea of certifying businesses. And in doing so, they are very rigorous. They said, no, you really have to meet these standards. And so it's based on um, um, kind of a lengthy questionnaire. It's fairly expensive because they um, really, when they score it, I don't know how many questions they have, over close to 150. But it's very um, labor intensive to actually take the certification. Um, it's fairly costly. Now, it doesn't mean you don't want to strive for that because that's like the creme de la creme. That's kind of what you want to strive for. But it's just not accessible to many smaller companies who also, like I said, they are on that path. They want the journey. So um, B-Lab, as the first one to really certify companies, they now have evolved to becoming more of a larger company certifier. And as Tom alluded to, and as you said so eloquently, I love that idea about the grassroots from the bottom coming up. Um, so the, this certification really is to honor and acknowledge all the work of smaller businesses that someday might be able to do that B lab assessment and become branded as a B Corp. So Tom, but, what did I leave out? Well, the ex excellent, Marian. Let me just tag on. This is a question that might be, again, come up in somebody's mind listening to this. So why should I choose to become, why don't I just do the business designation and not do the legal designation? Well, the one big thing that we um, tell people, and we had this question come up in our in our evaluation with our new company this morning, is that by having a legal designation that's baked in to your um your operating agreement into um, uh, the various documents that a business goes through, you have that governance. And that means that you just can't, you have to live that, you know, you're being held by law and by your, uh, your board of advisors or your, uh, you know, board of directors, if you still have that sort of structure. So you are absolutely, um, you know, bound by law to continue to make a positive material impact. This is exactly the words of the benefit corporation legislation, make a positive um, material impact on planet and community. And so we told this guy this morning, our, our newest, that if they have any intention of wanting to sell their business at some time, it's really nice to have that baked in because that's what the more progressive uh, venture capitalists now are looking for. They realize the power of this in terms of just strictly being a more profitable company. Um, but they also they know that doing good works in your community, doing good works for the environment, doing good works in terms of promoting and advocating for social justice all translate into a stronger, uh, you know, stronger financial company. Yes, I think that's such a great distinction and breaking it down. And I have to say that I looked into both of them before deciding what was best for my company. And for me, I found that the the B Corp was just I wasn't big enough of a company like you you spoke to is because I believe they even have you calculating down to your carbon footprint per the year and how much you mm -hmm. used. And for me, I was like, wow, I don't really have time to think about that. But also as being a one person, I'm the only full time employee that that footprint is probably so small that I don't know if that would make much of a difference. But it was definitely a lot more of a labor intensive process. And so for me, the benefit corporation certification really made me it felt a lot more manageable in the sense that like I could still be accountable to the same principles, but again, I'm an LLC. So it's, it, again, it was an easier structure for me to, to obtain that certification, but still move forward with the same mission. And so sometimes I, I called the benefit corporation a mini B Corp because right. it does kind of help you <laughs> set that path to yes. then potentially yes. make it more of that legal structure. Yeah. And, and, you know, Charlotte, I mean, and just uh, um, adding on to what you just said, that we are very, um, Marianne and I are personally and professional friends of many B, uh, members of the B Corps community, particularly here in Oregon. Um, they, uh, we support them completely. As she said earlier, after we finish the evaluation, we always tell our, our, our um, newly certified businesses that over time, when it's right, you should strive for that more rigorous certification when you have the resources, both financially and, you know, people power to go through that because it is very um, metrics driven 
and it does require an enormous amount of time. But it is a great standard, um, and we just think that there needed to be something that was in between that helps, you know, give the credentials to a business like Chipperfield Media, a um, you know a a claim and a stake and a certification that says yes, I'm also a triple bottom line business. Um, I just haven't uh, pursued that higher, more rigorous form of um, certification at this point in time. Right. Yes. And it goes back, I think, too, to that value structure and that purpose structure behind the business and and being able to provide more than just a service and a profit, but to really, again, connect to a stronger community. Yes. And so I'd love for you to maybe break down for any businesses listening that are like, oh, my gosh, this is aligned with our values and what we're doing. So how would someone maybe considering becoming a benefit corporation or getting that certification, what might they be able to do to assess now if it's the right time for them to take the next step? I'll jump in on that sure. one, Tom. Go ahead. Um, yeah. Because it's funny because when we first say, well, and you have this assessment, it's 48 questions, immediately people get this kind of like, oh my God, it's a test. It's an exam. Will I pass? Is it going to be hard? And it's it's just classic. I, I think we learned that in school, an assessment. Um, but what we have done is we've taken there's Yes, there are 48 questions, but we have um, pulled out about 10 questions that seem to reflect um, ideas around people, ideas around your um, green practices, planet, and then some business practices. And we call it the SNP test. And it's real simple then, because if you take, answer these 10 questions. 12 questions. And you answer, yeah. yeah, 12. 12 questions. Um, if you answer yes to these, then you know you're going to do fine on the assessment, because it means you're a very good candidate. Because this idea about, well, this is a big leap of faith, and what if I don't pass? Well, take our sniff test. And if you resonate with these questions and answer yes to them, then you're going to do fine on the test on the assessment. Mm -hmm. So we ask people to do that first, and then it um, immediately is kind of a screening mechanism, um, and it'll validate a lot of the good things they're already doing. So um, that's an easy thing to do, no cost involved. Um, we're happy to share that with anybody, um, and it will easily, you know, um, tell you a story about if you have those values. Yes, I remember taking the sniff test in the yes. beginning because I, I do remember having some of that, like, oh my God, what if I do this and don't get approved? And right. And so there is sort of that it must be childhood test taking. Right. <laughs> We're coming in. But um I do remember kind of feeling that way. And it did put me at ease once I took those questions to be like, okay, I'm definitely aligned. This is making sense, um, which is great. And I believe you have the sniff test on the website. Is that correct? Yes. Yes. It's on, yeah. Yeah. Okay. it's on our homepage. Yeah. Okay. It's on our homepage. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm curious. So if we kind of take a, a business owner on this journey, so if they're thinking about this assessment, they take the sniff test, it makes sense for their company, they get the certification. Sort of what happens at that point? So what's required for a company to maintain the status and kind of what is the time commitment that they might be expecting, both maybe within their company being accountable to the triple bottom line, but also to maintaining the status? Yeah, so um, great question, Charlotte. Uh, really, it's, it is a far simpler process than it might sound initially. And here's what I mean by that. So you take the test um, and we always encourage the business to go through, and we've certified three businesses out of state. So it's under, they're all basically states have similar legislation. So it's a pretty much the same process, but we encourage them to go ahead and check the box and also become a benefit company or benefit corporation, depending on the state, uh, in addition to being um, an S-Corp or a C-Corp or an LLC. And once that has been done, um, the test is about two hours. We always ask our clients that go through the process to give themselves that two hours of uninterrupted time so they can go through the 48 questions. Um, once they've seen that the sniff test, you know, they've, they've passed the sniff test. And then after that, it becomes really a matter of keeping, 
you know, making sure that there are policies and policies that I always hate using that word. Marianne and I talked about this this morning. It's, yeah. it's more of a simple practice of what do you want to do as a business? Where do you want to commit your time? Do you want to do more work socially right now? Do you want to do more work environmentally? And this can be as simple as doing a webinar that is free for minority communities that aren't being served by, um, you know, the business area or expertise you're in. It might be as simple as asking your employees, what what should we do together as a team? What Saturday or should we take a full day off this quarter to go and do some work in our community? Is it to plant trees? Is it to clean up litter? So it's really, a, it's, a, it's a process where you want to work with your, if you have employees, you certainly want to work with them. If you're a, a one woman band such as yourself, you decide where's my commitment best spent? Where can I offer? Where can I bring value um, outside of being a business person? Where can I bring value to my community and to the various stakeholders that I'm serving right now? And then what we do is we say, you know, have a simple Excel doc, you know, that you keep on a monthly basis. Here's what you did. And it's as simple as, you know, putting amount of hours you might have put in. And we always encourage if you, you know, if you don't have the financial, um, people, I think, want you know, they want the service more than the, the finances in many regards. And so that's that's the way we say is keep track of those hours. And then at the end of the year, you come together and you have to create after your first year an annual benefit report. And you're you are coming up on one, uh, Charlotte, as I recall, fairly soon. And I am. Yes. Yeah. My first one. It's very exciting. <laughs> it, and it's really exciting because our, our people get to see, and we certified, I think, eight of those 45 to date now. And what the, it shows is, you know, it, you, your first year is intention. Your second year is where you really see what kind of behavior did I put toward this. And sometimes it's not as high, but that's to be expected. You know, it's, 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 it's a learning process. It's a growth curve and it continues that way. But that is really the simplicity of this. That benefit report, we provide a template to our Clients, some of them are asking for our help in writing them, which we can do offer as a service. Um, and then, really, that is pretty much the process. You know, you if you if you walk the talk, it, this is a pretty easy thing to do. Um, and, and again, it's important that the business. We always tell our businesses if they're a little unsure on whether they want to take this leap, we say we recommend you wait until you're absolutely certain you want to go this direction because the problem is if you go through this and you don't follow up you're going to be called out on it not just by us but by other members of your community it's going to hurt your business uh in the long run it's going to hurt your business maybe in the short run too so um those are really the simple things marianne do you have anything to add to that well, i was just going to say tom the other thing with this um spreadsheet that you're just tracking about hey i volunteered here or i offered this workshop is mm -hmm. also track like you know i've increased my biking to work by 20 percent, or i now right. three times a week i take light rail so also track mm -hmm. those things around your carbon footprint so it's not so much yep. hours, but it's like activities that you're starting to do. And so we've increased recycling and I now no longer use any plastic, whatever it is. So then you're also able to, in your annual report, say, not only did I do these things for the community, but here's how I'm also working on that planet piece and just simple things. But so it does, it, like I said, it doesn't have to be a complicated report, but that is what is required once a year is to retake the certification. It's at a lower price than the initial certification. Um, and then um, produce a annual report, benefit report that you have to make available to the public. So you can post it on your website. We'll post it on our website that you've been recertified. Um, and so that's basically what it is. And, and yeah, it's like practice what you preach then. Yes, I think that's so wonderful. And I'm actually really excited that my recertification is coming up because I think it's such an opportunity to kind of look back and assess what you did. And I definitely know my spreadsheet has not been updated most recently, but <laughs> right. I will definitely get on that right after this podcast. 
But I also love that you brought up this point around it's it's constantly an evolving process and you're constantly yeah. working towards different goals. And so I think right. that's even something for myself to keep in mind is that you're not just going to be perfect every year, mm-hmm. but you're constantly improving or mm-hmm. looking for new opportunities and ways to give back. And I think that's what's so powerful behind it is that there's no kind of structure as far as what you need to be doing, what you should be doing. It's kind of, you know, as long as you are aligned with these values and are able to show that you're putting in the effort towards them, that's what matters more than doing it in a specific way. Yes. Right. Yes. Well yeah. That, well there is no finish line. You know, that's the other right. thing. There, is, there never is. I mean, you're, you're always, it's always, it's a constant evolution of trying to just get a little bit better uh, each year. You know, and and that's that's the the wonderful you know part of this is being able to take this journey, and you just see these, and there's sometimes they're going to be really incremental, big incremental steps, and other times they're going to be little tiny steps. Um, everybody's different, and everybody has different interests on where they want to serve, how they want to serve their stakeholders. Everybody has a little different. I think the the cool little anecdote I'll just throw in here. So um, when we were interviewing for the book, interviewing our thought leaders. Um, a local brew pub, which is certified B Corps, they have, uh, I think it was in the month of September or um, uh, it's sometime in the fall where they have a cycling contest and the employees that trek the most miles into work each day, they have a, a chart so they show where progress is. Uh, you know, and win some fun little, you know, nothing big, but just a simple little prize. And they all are in it. It's a real collaborative effort to really reduce their carbon footprint for the fall, you know, or the month of September, October, whatever month it is. So it's just those simple things like Marianne was saying, where you add those in and re- you really have an impressive benefit report when you, at the end of the, of that year, you really see, gosh, we really have done some nice things here. And, um, you know, we've, we've helped contribute to our community and, and, and to the better of the environment. So, yeah. Yes. That's so wonderful. And I'm sure for that brew pub too, it's also looking at their people. So, I mean, yes, they right. have an initiative that's helping them focus on the environment and their carbon footprint, but it's also an opportunity that kind of bonds their employees together and maybe even has health benefits for the people who are participating in that every day. Mm-hmm. And so again, it's kind of, it's more than just the profit. It's really looking at your people as being whole people, but also motivating them. And then also thinking about that environmental footprint. Yes. Yes. And I like that you raised that because some of the things you can document is that at Flip, you have several employees. Well, I've now allowed, uh, of course, with COVID, it's mandatory, but, um, you know, flex time. Or I now um, allow employees to take so many hours off every week to, um, I don't know, count birds. (laughs) But it's also things that you do for your employees. So if there's certain things, and in your case, if you're the main, main one, it's like, do I um, practice work-life balance, Charlotte? Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, Uh-oh, calling me because, out. Calling I me know. out. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Because that means you're a benefit company. I mean, those are some of the values that we we talk about. So you can put some of those also things that you do for yourself and your and your um, uh, people. In fact, one of our one of our benefit um, companies certified with us. We've been on them for two years. They're one of our early ones about you guys work too hard. You can't keep doing 60 hour work weeks. Mm-hmm. And so in their annual report, they talk about work life balance. So it's it's also like you said, it's it's not just things you do for the community, but things you do internally as well. Yes, I love that. And now I'm going to work less because there <laughs> you go. My work. No, you yeah, want to be a sustainable yeah, yes. you want to be sustainable after all, right? And right. You can't, can't if, right. You, if you if you're knocked over on your you know your keyboard every night. So right, right, yes. No, yeah. it's something I've been very a lot more diligent about lately. So good, good. you to good. do so. <laughs> yeah. So I know you touched a little bit on companies that you know if they're not sure if they want to do this that they should probably hold off and make sure that they're they are ready to take this next step. And so I'm curious if you have any advice for companies that do align with the principles and they're kind of building a company towards, you know, having these values of honesty, transparency, empathy, and the triple bottom line. So if they're kind of, again, on that fence, what would you recommend that they can kind of start to implement and maybe experiment within their business to then move towards that certification? 
Well, I love that question because for me, I mean, it's wonderful that we can certify companies and we can offer this value of being a, a family of benefit companies and support one another and oh, whatever. But when you really ask me what I want to do in the business world is I want people to be conscientious leaders. And whether you're a nonprofit leader, an ED, whether you're a corporation that is trying, has a leadership that's a little more enlightened, it really is, a, back to my mantra, it's a different way of thinking. So what we, we, we try to do these every year, we probably won't this year with COVID, but we actually tell, encourage people and we offer a, a one-day um, conference on conscientious leadership. And last year when we did it, we had nonprofit leaders there. We had people who do not want to take this step right away, but want to um, demonstrate that it's not old school leadership. It's a new enlightened leadership that, um, as you mentioned, all those values of equity, transparency, um, empathy. It's that servant leadership kind of uh, uh, mantra um, that you can do that. In fact, look at a sole proprietor. Many sole proprietors practice those things, and yet they are not eligible to become a benefit corporation. And yet they want to um, do things that are different from the old way. And so there's workshops you can take. There's books you can read. I mean, between Tom and I, we have a wonderful, um, you know, kind of library of books that talk about it's, it's again, it's where I started. It's how you think about supporting people, how you think about supporting the world, the, uh, the environment, the globe. Um, and so certification is wonderful because it allows you to be accountable and allows you to share that and brand that with others. But ultimately, you know, it's too bad we even need certification because if everybody was kind of had these principles at heart, then we, you know, perhaps you wouldn't have this big drive to become certified, to show you're accountable, because it's just a way we live in the workforce, in the workplace. So that I, I think that is one of the best questions, because it's really for me, it's that um, there's a different leadership model. There's a different profile of leaders that we've got to move towards. Um, so, yeah, there's lots of resources to help you on that path, too. I just I just add um, Charlotte that there are a couple other organizations. Not only is our blog very rich, I think, and varied on you know the triple bottom line and the purpose driven business, but Conscious Capitalism. Our friends at Conscious Capitalism has some excellent materials that can be reviewed via their website. The same with B Lab, who's who is the certifying body for for the certified B cores. Um, there are several YouTube talks. Uh, I remember one of the most powerful ones I've seen was by one of the founders of B-Lab, Jay Cohn Gilbert. And it's it's 12 years old now. And I, I watched it not that long ago on what this movement means, you know, in the early days. And I think anybody who has an interest but is not quite sure if they're ready, you know, an easy way to dip your, your toe in the water outside of our sniff test is to, to listen to some of the thought leaders and some of those that have really been the founders of this movement have really pushed it forward. I'll titillate just a little bit here in that I had the opportunity to see a 15-minute uh, rough cut of a very powerful documentary that will be coming out in the near future on the entire benefit corporation movement by somebody who has been there from the very beginning and um, was pretty knocked out by it. Uh, and so hopefully that will be coming soon and we can share with you and you can, you can share with your audience um, as another resource. It's just a very inspiring, passionate piece of work that will get people really, if they aren't already at least somewhat intrigued, will get them full on passionate about what this movement has the opportunity to do and where it's being done and all over the world is part of it too. So. That's exciting. I can't wait for that documentary to come out. Mm. I'm sure that's that's going to be wonderful. And yes, I love the idea of the conscious leader. And those are kind of what sometimes I call my clients is that that's the type of person I want to work with is this conscious leader who is thinking yes. bigger than themselves and bigger than just their company. Yes. And yeah, the book Conscious Capitalism, I call that my Bible. And it's usually somewhere on my desk because I think right. that they outline a lot of the reasons behind why doing why 
getting certified or becoming a B Corp is, is so powerful. And I love that book. And we definitely recommend that as well on top of your book if for anyone who is also curious. And I just think there have been so many great leaders who are kind of helping move this movement forward. And they do a really great job of, of really drilling into why and what's what's in the future for business. So it's all very exciting. Well, before I ask my last question, I would love for you to tell the listeners where they can connect with you both online a little bit more and yeah, connect to the community of like-minded business owners. Yeah. So we are um, easy to be found at benefitcorporationsforgood.com. Um, that is one place. We also have a Facebook page, Ben Cores for Good. Um, and then Marianne and I are both on LinkedIn quite a bit. Those are simple ways to connect with us. We'd love to connect with anybody. Also, our newsletter, which we have one coming out tomorrow, um, you can subscribe to that via our website on our contact page. Um, there's a link there that helps you sign up. Uh, so we welcome uh, any and all. And I think what Marianne and I see ourselves as um, evangelists for this movement for the rest uh, of our time. And so if there is a need or a question or however we can help, we love to be of service um, to those business people and leaders and curiosity seekers about what this is all about. We're more than happy to get on a call with them and uh, answer, enlighten, um, you know, whatever we might be able to, to do to, to uh, give them the information that they're seeking. Yes, that is wonderful. And I will link to everything that you just mentioned into the show notes. Great. Thank you. So I'm going to ask by wrapping up, um, ask you both, how does being intentional show up in your life or business? <laughs> um, I, I love that because my daughter, who is a, a, a young black woman, she tells me that all the time, mom, it's not just talk. It's not just that you support Black Lives Matter. It's not just that you want to be authentic, but it's what are you going to do? And so those are the, the first thing I think to be intentional is to just stop talking and listen and respect. And um, because you can't come into this thinking that you yourself know what's best or what's right. So that's the first thing is just uh, as an individual, I have to listen and respect, particularly as we deal with um, a lot of the issues that are coming up now around equity um, and social justice, just listen more. Um, the other thing is actually take action. So for example, I'm a painter too. And so I made handmade signs that say Black Lives Matter. And so I, I sell these and I donate all the money towards um, Don't Shoot Portland. And so that's actually a behavior activity that I can do because I'm using some of my gifts. So it, it's, you know, like I said earlier, it's like every day say, don't just preach, but, but actually do things that have meaning. But um, the number one thing I do to live intentionally is to is to stop talking so much and to listen to others and to um, honor where they're coming from. That's a great answer, uh, Marianne. Really well done. And she does do that, by the way. Um, I can tell you that after four years in, biz <laughs> in business while well, knowing her a long time. I think for me, um, the being intentional uh, is, is all about me being um, purposeful, you know, not only in my word, and what I say, but in the action. That's always what it comes down to for me. And it it means that I'm living my life, um, you know, making thoughtful choices. And um, as Marianne said, I'm actively, um, you know, actively interacting and engaging with, um, you know, with my life. And I, I, a big thing that uh, a lot of people don't know about me, but on my personal side, I do a lot of work in um working to find solutions to uh, systemic poverty. And I've been a member of an organization for about four years that um, does a lot of work with homeless people. And we're actively advocating um, whether on, you know, whether in city, at City Hall or, or down at uh, Salem, but 
helping uh, support and promote just causes uh, for those that have not uh, been as fortunate as, as a lot of us have. And, and that there's something that is so powerful uh, about doing that. Um, and, and not as I said, that intention is not only to do it, but then to do it uh, actively. And um, I think that's the best way that I see my, um, you know, what being intentional really means to me. And um, obviously our work that we're doing with businesses is very, very important to us as well. And I think that's the other thing where I really try to be focused on however we get calls or we get emails on a regular basis and we're more than happy to however we can enlighten um, and sometimes we get enlightened in the process. So it's not like yes, we, st- yeah. we haven't stopped learning. That's for sure. So, right. yeah. Oh, that's so wonderful. I loved both of those answers. And I think you're right. There's so much listening to be done in order to know what action to take sometimes. And so yes. um, I love that you are both committed to very important causes. And Marianne, I'm gonna have to check out your signs because okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yes, that's amazing. Well, I just want to thank you both just for your commitment to being wonderful people, your commitment to helping businesses. And of course, thank you so much for being here today on the podcast. Thank you, Charlotte. True, truly a true joy with you, Charlotte. Um, yeah, it's awesome. Thank you. Uh, thank you for doing the good work you're doing, by the way, too. So we are um, privileged to have you as part of our, our family, as we like to say. So um, very exciting. Yes. Thank you so much. Hey, thank you so much for listening. If you love this episode, please subscribe to be the first to know when a new episode is available. And if you really love this episode, please rate and review the podcast so that other conscious business leaders like yourself can join our community of listeners. If you'd like to connect with me further, you'll find me hanging out on Instagram at Charlotte Chipperfield. Come join me there or check out chipperfieldmedia.com for free resources, subscribe to my monthly newsletter, and learn more about the holistic marketing system.